Well, this morning you get to hear the introduction of a new book of the Bible. For uh, me, I've not preached through uh, Proverbs before. However, that's not a, not a typical thing, though, for a minister to preach through uh, the book of Proverbs. So I'm uh, delighted to be uh, charting that path forward with you, and I know you'll be patient. Uh, we have, uh, whether you know it or not, spent a great deal of time in the New Testament. Uh, preached a series uh, through uh, Mark's gospel. We looked at the values of our church, again looking at uh, New Testament uh, passages. We uh, focused on New Testament passages over the season of Easter as well. So we're switching gears, and I'm going to ask and trust that you'll give me just a little bit of patience as I uh, shift my own uh, mental apparatus to look at another language, a different time period, different uh, cultural background, uh, the background of uh, Proverbs, which of course is in the Old Testament. Let me just say a couple of things uh, very quickly before uh, we, uh, we pray together. I want, I want us to get our bearings uh, straight that Proverbs is a rather unique book. Proverbs comes uh, from the collection of uh, literature in the Old Testament called Wisdom Literature. And Proverbs itself is uh, a little bit uh, disjointed. I don't mean that word uh, disrespectfully, but uh, Proverbs isn't just a single story. We, we know this, don't we? In fact, Proverbs is a collection of uh, collections. In fact, if you uh, divide up those collections, uh, I think you find uh, seven collections. Uh, it might be uh, a bit fewer, but we're going to work off of the assumption that Proverbs, 31 chapters, includes seven separate collections of Proverbs. Some of these collections are long. We're going to begin this morning, of course, chapter 1. And the collection, the first collection of Proverbs extends from Proverbs chapter 1 all the way through Proverbs chapter 9, 9 verse 18. So that's a, it's a long collection of Proverbs. There's another long collection of Proverbs from chapter 10 to chapter 22. There's also some short collections of Proverbs within the book of Proverbs. Uh, chapter 31, uh, perhaps the most uh, famous part of Proverbs uh, of all, uh, chapter 31 is uh, itself a single uh, collection. We actually have a, a small collection in Proverbs chapter 24 of just 13 verses, and that, that too is just a single a collection. There it's called the sayings of the wise. But we're going to be in chapters 1 through 9, beginning this morning, and we will go all the way through 9 verse 18 in the, towards the end of July, and that will be the first collection in Proverbs. So we're going to be looking at, uh, of course, Hebrew language, and we're going to be looking at a lot of poetry. Uh, both of those things delight me, and I hope they delight you as well. But Proverbs are extremely practical. And so this body of sermons is challenging for me because these sermons need to be extremely clear. The very tone of Proverbs is clarity and simplicity. That's not to say they're simplistic, but the writer of Proverbs, King Solomon, is seeking to be very clear to us, speak plainly, uh, simple terminology as it were. Well, this is just a real quick introduction. I want to say a little bit more when uh, I begin. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. But let me uh, address you little theologians real quickly. If you could just draw a picture for me of you and a friend building something. You and a friend making something. Or you could just draw what it is they're making. 
Proverbs is about relationships. It's about working with others. And that relationship aspect of Proverbs, I think, is often forgotten. And I want to highlight it in this sermon. So, you and a friend making something. Well, thank you uh, for uh, that time. Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's pray together, and we'll read Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. Would you please pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for caring about the kind of life that we have in this present age. Uh, You have not saved us and then left us. You walk with us. You give us instruction. You uh, care about how we live life between um, uh, the time of our conversion and then when Jesus comes. You care about that time period. And so we thank you for speaking to us and trust that your Holy Spirit will use uh, my uh, lips and preparation for your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to begin uh, looking at Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7 by uh, introducing you to an image. And the image is one of personal experience. It comes from me in my early 20s. And it's an experience that took place in Northern California. Uh, Those of you who know me may not be able to imagine very easily me working on a farm. I understand that. I'm not offended by that. But I have worked on a farm before. Again, work with me. In my early 20s, I had an opportunity to work on a rice farm in Northern California to work with a a dear, sweet family. And in fact, I wasn't only doing work on the farm, I was actually living with an elderly couple named Tom and June. They took me into their home. And I would uh, have dinner there, and I would sleep there, and I would get up early in the morning. Farmers start their days very early. Um, I still don't care for that. Very early in the morning, I'd have breakfast with Tom and June. And June would make me a lunch to uh, eat uh, later in the day. And uh, after breakfast, she would give me a brown bag, and I'd walk outside to uh, the farm, and I'd meet uh, other farmers, uh, various uh, uh, family relations, uh, not to me, uh, but uh, Tom uh, had a a brother helping and a nephew helping and their family friend uh, helping on the farm. We'd gather together in the morning uh, there at the barn, and we would stand in a circle and just chit-chat and talk about the tasks of the day. Everyone knew. I knew nothing. Everyone knew that. But we would talk, and I was, resp- I was respected. Uh, I needed extra help. No one seemed to mind. I would be given more instructions than the others. And then we would, we would part, uh, part ways for the day. We wouldn't see each other again for probably ten hours. And I would drive uh, in a truck out to my tractor parked out in the field. They taught me how to drive uh, a 70s-era Caterpillar D8. And that D8 was uh, attached to a, um, uh, a, a harrow, a uh, uh, disc harrow. And I would sit on that tractor, uh, driving it around, uh, check after check, breaking up hard soil in preparation for these fields to be flooded and then seeded with rice seed. I would drive around for about five hours. I would stop. Wherever I was, I would stop. And I would eat my slightly warmed lunch right there on the tractor, walk around a little bit, and then I would hop back on the tractor and finish out my day. 
If my truck was uh, near where I got out of the tractor, then I would hop in that truck and drive back to the farm. Um, if not, I would walk to the nearest truck I could find, they all have keys in them, and uh, drive back to the farm. And Tom would greet me, and we'd talk a little bit. He'd want to know about my experience, what I was able to accomplish. Sometimes Tom and I would drive out and see the work that I've done. He would give advice, and then we would have dinner. This was my life for a while. It wasn't a long period of time, but it was deeply impactful. I learned what Christian family is like. I learned what a hard work uh, is like. Uh, I learned how to set aside my wishes. I learned how to set aside excuses. I learned uh, how to complain just a little bit less. And I learned uh, what it feels like to be nurtured and cared for in a setting of doing stuff, not just talking, but doing stuff. Wisdom is practical. Wisdom is about getting up and like moving and, and engaging the world around you. Uh, wisdom is about building things. Wisdom, wisdom is about um, uh, expressing uh, your a call as a Christian person in this present age to be a doer, a, a maker, a creator. Wisdom is about practical work. In fact, uh, over and over again in, the, in uh, Proverbs, we read that wisdom is about walking, walking in life. And wisdom is about how to relate to other human beings. Uh, wisdom is very, very social. It's not just uh, walking and living in this world. It's how to relate with others. And, and if you are a, a, a great friend of the literature of Proverbs, uh, you will learn that it is about uh, walking through life and it is about relating to those with whom you come into contact with serve alongside, are served by, or serve. But Proverbs tells us that wisdom is about something else, that wisdom is divine, that wisdom is about doing all of this in the context of a relationship with God. Wisdom is practical, wisdom is social, but wisdom is also divine because we need God to teach us how to do that between now and the second coming of Jesus. We're going to see all of that in Proverbs. And what our passage this morning is telling us is this, is that all of life is walking in the presence of God. All of life, whether you profess faith in Jesus or not, all of life is walking in the presence of God because He knows everything. He sees everything. But to walk well in life is to walk with and for God. All of life is walking in the presence of God, but to walk well is to walk with Him and to walk for Him. Now, this is the theme of our passage, but in many ways, the theme of the entire book of Proverbs, but such is the nature of Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. It kind of sets the tone, as it were, not just for this collection of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 through chapter 9, but verses 1 through 7, they really set the tone for the entire book of Proverbs, and I'm going to remind you of that over and over again as we spend time in these 31 chapters. And what I want to share with us this morning from these few verses, I want to share with us something about the author of Proverbs, something about the purpose of Proverbs, and something about the foundation of Proverbs. 
Again, we're just, we're just setting up our, our uh, knowledge as we prepare to look at Proverbs. But first, verse 1. You see right there, verse 1 clearly tells us about the author of Proverbs. Uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, you need to know that this kind of literature in these 31 chapters is actually very, very common in the ancient world. Wisdom literature exactly like this, the kind of literature that archaeologists and historians will call manuals of advice, this kind of literature is found throughout the ancient world, and not just during King Solomon's time. This was true way back in Abraham's day as well. There was lit wisdom literature from the city from which Abraham came, the city of Ur. That literature is known by archaeologists today, and that literature looks and feels very similar to the literature of the Proverbs. But even before Abraham, there was this rich tradition of proverbial literature in Egypt. In fact, uh, historians say that it was the Egyptians that really popularized this form of literature that we find here in the work of Solomon. And then after Solomon, this, uh, this kind of literature persisted in the ancient Near East. Uh, this kind of literature became famous during the time period of the Assyrians. We, now think about that, the Assyrians, a barbaric people, a dominating people, people who brought so much hurt into the world. Well, the Assyrians wrote best-selling manuals of advice. So this literature uh, that we find in the ancient world, a lot like uh, this uh, collection of Proverbs, it's a kind of literature that normally had a stated author. There was an author that was writing. So uh, the Assyrian uh, uh, manual of advice called the Words of Ahikar are written by Ahikar. A famous, famous collection of Proverbs uh, from a uh, leader, not a king, but a leader in the uh, Egyptian court, Amen Amope. Amen Amope, say that a couple of times. That piece of literature, the author is stated. And so here in verse 1, the author's name is stated. And very often in the ancient world, this literature would be stated, uh, they have an author's name stated, but uh, there would be uh, an, an, an audience, a son, or uh, someone who is an up-and-coming leader, younger than the author, and that person would be addressed, and uh, that person would hear this information about practical life and about social situations. So, too, in the ancient world, this kind of literature would be collections of different kinds of proverbs. There would be short collections, long collections. Sometimes the, the author would be different than the author of the larger work. And, and not only that, these, these manuals for advice in the ancient world, which are found all over, these manuals for advice would be used for uh, instruction in things unrelated to wisdom, like literature, how to read, how to write, uh, grammar. I don't know if you recall um, a set of books called McGuffey's Readers, uh, but McGuffey's Readers had a lot of pedigree in American uh, educational history because they would be collections of, of wise aphorisms and sayings, and they would be given to students so that students could practice their penmanship by writing from the aphorisms and sayings. Now, I'm telling you all of that because some individuals will say that this similarity between Proverbs and other kinds of literature in the ancient world actually show that Solomonic authorship, 
authorship by Solomon is actually suspect. That what's happening here is we have uh, individuals who perhaps knew of Solomon. They are copying the literature of the time and they're ascribing it then to Solomon. And perhaps they're doing this to uh, elevate uh, their hero, which would be uh, Solomon. Or perhaps it was written by Solomon himself, but all he's doing is he's actually copying the wisdom that he finds around him. He might be doing this in order to look smart before his Egyptian wife, who is from a land filled with wisdom literature. And part of the struggle with finding that Solomon is the author of this is something that we all know. Solomon himself doesn't seem to have been very wise, does he? We know there's wisdom stories associated with Solomon, but uh, we also know that Solomon's a kind of man who uh, the writer of Kings tells us he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And in fact, 1 Kings chapter 11 is very clear that Solomon was a kind of man that not only did he have this astronomical number of wives, but he also chased after the gods of this astronomical number of wives. He was someone who built shrines to the gods of his various wives. He offered sacrifices to the gods of his various wives. The Bible is very clear about this. 1 Kings chapter 11. And so whatever you might think uh, uh, historically, archaeologically, or intellectually about the authorship of Solomon over these Proverbs, this here is really a difficult, difficult spot for us. How could this have been written by Solomon? If Solomon seemed to display a life that seems to be so marked by those things that are opposite of the wisdom contained in the book of Proverbs, how can a man like Solomon, a man for whom God was angry with, again, 1 Kings 11, God was angry with Solomon, knew what Solomon was doing, and God promised to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hands. Not only this, we know about Solomon from Ecclesiastes, if he wrote Ecclesiastes, which I believe he wrote that as well. And he admits to the kind of living, well, that's not very wise. So what are we to do with verse 1? The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. This isn't the only time we hear about Solomon's authorship. You look at 10 verse 1, you see it there as well. Now, let me say a few things to show why I believe that Solomon's the author of the Proverbs. When Jesus references Solomon, Jesus references Solomon not only as if Solomon were real, but as if Solomon uh, achieved great glory, had great wealth. Look at Matthew 6 and Luke chapter 12. Uh, Jesus assumes that Solomon lived. But not only that, Jesus assumed that Solomon at some time in his life had internationally acclaimed wisdom. Matthew 12 and Luke 11. Jesus seems to believe that Solomon was very wise, exactly the kind of author who would write the Proverbs. Do we believe that Solomon was wise? Solomon seems to be the kind of character who was wise at one point in his life, but he seems to have changed. And this really is the key. If you look at 1 Kings chapter 3, after Solomon marries the, the uh, daughter of Pharaoh, uh, before he had fin- finished the construction of his own house or of the temple, God's Word tells us that Solomon loved the Lord. God's Word also tells us that Solomon walked according to the statutes of David, his father, that Solomon re- made regular holy sacrifices to God. 
And one day, this Solomon, who is uh, someone who loves God, he goes to God in prayer and he admits his smallness. He says, God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. That's Solomon saying that. I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. And Solomon, he knows this about himself, and he asks God to give him wisdom. He asks God to help him govern God's own people, to discern between good and evil, that he might be able to do this for the sake of those people. And God replies this way. It's 1 Kings chapter 3. God said to him, because you have asked for this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall rise after you. God made Solomon for a time in his life the wisest person ever to live. And Solomon, it seems, has fallen from that state. He had wisdom and understanding beyond measure, breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, God's Word tells us, wiser than every man, and his fame was in all of the surrounding nations. Bruce Waltke, you're going to hear this name often. Bruce Waltke is my go-to commentator on Proverbs. I highly encourage anything that he has written about Proverbs. And Bruce Walk, he says, look, this, this, this solution is very simple. Uh, Solomon, in God's providence, by God's grace, Solomon built, uh, built his own gallows upon which he would hang himself. Now, here's what Walkie means by that. Walkie looks at Proverbs 19.27. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Cease to hear instruction, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Bruce Walkie says that's exactly what Solomon did. This Solomon uh, understood that he was, uh, he, he lacked wisdom, he asked God, God gave him wisdom, but over the course of his life he strayed from understanding and he stopped listening to God. Now there's a lot of, 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 of rich instruction there for us that we're called to be wise and that God is with us in making us to be wise. But everything hinges upon following God, listening to his instruction. I think that's the lesson that we're going to see over and over again. King Solomon, he wrote Proverbs. And he wrote Proverbs under the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through him. And this book deserves our attention This book is given to us that by the Holy Spirit, these Proverbs would stand apart from all the Proverbs we find in archaeology and history. That these Proverbs would be those Proverbs that are meant for us as followers of God, that we would know how to live, and they're given to us by God Himself and the Holy Spirit. And God has even seen fit to use a man like Solomon to bring these words to us. These Proverbs were written by Solomon given to him by the Holy Spirit and given to us by that same Spirit that we would know how to follow his instruction. That is the instruction of God. As a note on the authorship, I have a purpose real quickly. The word Proverbs, I haven't defined yet. We see it in verse 1 and verse 6. You see that? The word Proverbs in verse 1 and verse 6. 
And proverb essentially is it's a, it's a comparison. It's a, a pretty generic word. Uh, it could be translated as a, as a saying or as a, as a riddle. Uh, proverb is uh, setting things up in comparison that we might not ordinarily stop to notice. The proverb puts these two things in comparison before us so that we would stop and think, even thinking before we act. A couple of things about Proverbs is a proverb is not a promise. Many have made the mistake of looking at Proverbs and thinking, if I do these things, then these are the results that I can count on. If I work really hard, I will become successful and wealthy. You may or you may not. Proverbs aren't a promise. Nor are Proverbs mechanical, that if I, if I do these things and I will just automatically be wise, I can, I can turn off my, my mind and my attitude and I just do these things. I want you to write down Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. If you think that the Proverbs are simply mechanical, they work the same way in every circumstance, look at Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Right? Answer not a fool to his folly. But then, the very next verse, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. That's not a contradiction, Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. That's not a contradiction. Proverbs, they're not meant to be applied mechanically. Proverbs are, 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 are asking us to take circumstances into account. They're not promises, and they're not mechanical. They require reflection, patient application, awareness of circumstances, and uh, I would say this, that Proverbs, well, they take a little bit of imperfection. Your life will never be perfect in this present age. That doesn't mean you're walking without guidance, but it will never be perfect. Uh, just uh, considering the purpose of Proverbs, look, look real quickly, if you would, at verses 2 through 6. Uh, you know this is not really a sentence. You don't have to be a student of English grammar to see that. Each line, 2 through 6, it begins with this little preposition, preposition that means in order to. Verse 5 is different. But look at what he does. Solomon's describing the purpose of his book of Proverbs. Verse 2, in order to know wisdom instruction. Verse 4, in order to give prudence. That's the purpose of Solomon, isn't it? In order to know wisdom and instruction, but also in order to give you prudence. But Solomon, he's not just describing, as you can tell already, he's not just describing his purpose. He's telling you our purpose in coming to the Proverbs. Look at verse 3 in order to receive instruction. And look at verse 6, in order to understand a proverb and a saying. And look at verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning. If Solomon he has his purpose for himself, well, he's trying to give something, but he also has a purpose for you, that you are to, when you look at the proverb, seek to receive something. Well, let's just stop here for a moment. Understanding and growing in Proverbs is actually relational. The writer of Proverbs, he has a purpose for himself to instruct you, but he has a purpose for you as well to listen and apply in a certain way. The relationship between the author and the reader is always important in Proverbs. Sometimes we think of Proverbs as written by a technical author who really doesn't care about me. Right? No, no that's who wrote the manual so that you can, you can uh, put together your lawnmower. Proverbs is written for a relationship. 
You can look ahead at verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs is all about relationship. The relationship is key. It's about a father instructing his son, a, a, a mother instructing her son. The Proverbs is about uh, uh, actually growing in such a way that you're not making decisions on your own. You're seeking the counsel of others, and you have good counsel from others. The relationship is everything. That's what was happening on the Carlson family farm in my early 20s. Wisdom is practical, and wisdom teaches us how to relate to others. But wisdom happens when a teacher and a disciple interact with one another. That's critical. Because you are actually being addressed in the Proverbs. Who are the Proverbs written to? If the, if the recipient is so important, who are they written to? We'll, we'll look. In Proverbs, unlike historic literature like this, there is no addressee mentioned. Right? It's, it's not a king who is named addressing a crown prince who is named. There's no name of the addressee in Proverbs. And I think that, there's a spirit, that that's for, holy, for the reasons of the Holy Spirit. That we would look to Proverbs and we would understand that they're written to me. They're written to me. Now look at the kind of me that they're written to. In verse 4, Proverbs are written for the simple. The simple is the, the amateur, the one who is easily uh, gullible, the one who is easily tempted. And that's part of the audience. Is that you? Are you this simple? Verse 4 as well. Proverbs written for the young, the adolescent, the one who's just learning how to live life. Are you that person? And Proverbs also written in verse 5 to the one who actually understands, to the one who already is attentive, already wise, but they still need help. The Proverbs is written to you, but which are you? Are you the simple? Are you the young? Were you the one who already understands? And the answer is all. That's, that's you, all of you. All of us are simple and young, and we understand. And we vacillate, we go back and forth. Proverbs are for all of us. And isn't this exactly what Christianity is like? Our Jesus is perfect. Solomon was the wisest man ever to live right up until when? Until the Incarnation. And so the birth of Jesus, and then Jesus, he is the wisest. And this Jesus is the one who instructs his followers. Jesus doesn't uh, convert us by his resurrection power and then leave us. Jesus actually walks with us today. Christian, do you know that? The passage that we read this morning from Hebrews chapter 10, as Christians we enter into the new and living way. We walk with him and he walks with us we listen as he instructs us we apply we uh, try what we hear we fail we return to him we confess we listen again we recalibrate we try again we fail again and return to him proverbs without a relationship with god through christ jesus it's just it's just like proverbs that are dusted off of a cuneiform tablet no, this is Holy Spirit wisdom for us because Jesus, he is walking with us. He is the one who is instructing us as our rabbi and he's patient with us. And we get a glimmer of that in Proverbs because Proverbs are always relational. They're written by someone to someone. 
All of life is walking in the presence of God, but to walk well is to walk with and for Him. You see, that's the foundation of Proverbs in verse 7. The authorship, the purpose, and now the foundation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, there is a kind of person that Proverbs seems to be lost on. It's not the simple, it's not the young, but it's the fool. One theological dictionary says that a person is a fool if they despise wisdom and and discipline, if they mimic the folly of children. Foolish behavior is typically rebellious and argumentative, and since fools are unwilling to accept instruction, you may even be a fool if you seek to correct a fool. Are you a fool this morning? Before you think if you are this fool or not, I want to ask you, do you profess faith in Jesus Christ and yet despise wisdom and instruction? You know, the answer to that question is actually awkward. The answer to that question is actually yes, isn't it? That sometimes as a Christian, I actually do despise wisdom and instruction. I sometimes live for myself. I know this about me, but I know this about you as well. One of, the, one of the gifts to the people of God are pastors and shepherds to the people of God, that they might be able to come and confess these things and talk through these things. They can see stages in their life, and they may feel it right now, where they are living as if, as if they despise wisdom. I've seen it in you, and I've seen it in my own life. That's not really the question, The question really you should be asking is this. If you are the fool, you need to first ask this question. Do you have a relationship with God? You see, the person who doesn't have a relationship with God, that's the fool who's being described in verse 7 here. There is room for us in Christ Jesus to occasionally act foolish, to occasionally despise God's wisdom and instruction. We know that this happens. These are things that we need to repent of, that we need to say sorry for, But the person we don't want to be is that person who is outside of this relationship with God. That person is beyond foolish. So really, when we look at verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is a description of those who are unregenerate. We need to ask ourselves, am I acting more like a Christian person or am I acting more like someone who has no relationship with God at all. And we believe this because Proverbs is addressed to Christians of every skill level of life. You profess faith in Jesus, this, this book is actually addressed to you. And, and we know that Christians, they, they, they appear in all different kinds of skill level of life. And that's who it's addressed to. It's addressed to you. And you need to hear this because all of life is walking in the presence of God. God sees everything about your life. And to walk well is to walk with Him as well as for Him. You hear what Solomon by the Holy Spirit is saying to us. He's saying that skill in life begins with that vertical relationship. Wisdom's always related to closeness to God. I hope you hear me say that over and over again as we look at the Proverbs together. Our walk in life is a walk that is always related to our closeness to God. 
And that vertical dimension is actually what determines the horizontal dimension, even though Proverbs speaks most often about that horizontal dimension of our lives. To walk well is to walk with and for him. Now, here's where I began. Here's why I began where I began. All of Christian life is like spring work on a Northern California rice farm. Not just my life, your life too. Because we're going to go home this afternoon, we're going to spend time with family, friends, we're going to have dinner, hopefully you come to our Evensong service tonight, you're going to go home after that, and you're going to go to bed, and something is going to greet you in about 10 hours' time, and we call that Monday morning. And you're going to have to get up Monday morning, and you're going to have to cope with the world. And it'll be work, and it'll involve relationships. It's walk. And the Christian life is walking in this imperfect, broken world a lot like a Northern California rice farm. A world that is cursed and a world that is filled with, populated by imperfect people. And this work is actually hard work. You vacillate in your ability to be successful at walking in your various Mondays. And what we need is a Proverbs. And what we find in the Proverbs is this we find that we are told often that we need help with practical life. Wisdom is practical. And we need to be taught over and over again how to walk in this broken world. And not only this, but Proverbs tells us over and over again that we need help in our social arrangements. Even though I'm a person and I'm relating to another person, I need help in that relationship. I need help in my social life with others. And Proverbs is going to tell us over and over again that the kind of wisdom that makes us able to walk in this world is the kind of wisdom that comes from God. That we need to have a relationship with Him first and foremost, and that relationship is critical. We need help with practical life. We need help in all of our social arrangements. And we need this help to come from a God who knows how to parent you and how to parent me. Well, this is just a... a, a, kind of a, a taste of Proverbs. We prepare to dive into the meat of this first collection, but know this, all of life is walking in the presence of God and that to walk well is to walk with Him and for Him. Would you join me in prayer? The Father, we uh, ask that you would make use uh, of this time that we have in Proverbs, uh, both here Sunday mornings, but also as we uh, go home. Would you give us time in your Word to reflect upon the Proverbs? And would you use me as your emissary that I would preach in a way that is full of grace because you've entered into a relationship with us through Jesus and that you continue to instruct us? Uh, Father, uh, would that be uh, readily on my mind and on my lips as I preach through Proverbs? Thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.